Bienvenidos al podcast Ultima Vuelta. Or in other words, welcome to the final lap podcast. Ooh, good effort. It's a pretty good one. Spanish has a little bit, been a little bit easier than Chinese and Arabic, yeah, to be fair. Yeah, I can understand that. <laughs> A little bit more accustomed to speaking Spanish in this country. Well, I, I could, I can read it for a start. That, that always helps when you're trying to pronounce something. <laughs> Jennifer's uh, very good at Spanish. She's very, very good at Spanish. Oh, we should have gotten her to do it. Yeah, I never even thought of that. Yeah. Can, can you get her to quickly translate? Um, <laughs> how's it going, everybody? Into Spanish. <laughs> She's reading a book. I better not disturb. <laughs> oh, okay, fair enough. Sorry, Jen. Um, yes, welcome to the final lap podcast. Uh, it's been a little while. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks since the Spanish Grand Prix. Or is it one week? No, two weeks, isn't it? Uh, a week and a half, a I think, half, roughly. Give or take. Um, yeah, we've uh, been very busy little souls in between times. In fact, we actually managed to uh, meet up in person for the first time. In <laughs> uh, a nice little trip to uh, the big smoke. I was going to say the big apple then, and I thought, no, that's New York, not London. Uh Baby steps, baby steps. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll visit Rob in New York one day. <laughs> uh, indeed, yeah. So uh, yeah, but Sean and I have have met in person for the first time. We managed to uh, still talk about Formula One whilst on the lash in London, which just goes to show you exactly how committed we are to the Formula One cause. Uh, so the Spanish Grand Prix was the uh, the. F- flavor of formula one last time we uh we watched anything uh in the sport and hmm i don't think this is going to be the longest review we've ever done no let's put it that way it went um, exactly how i expected it to go because too often spanish grand prix go this way it's not the most entertaining of tracks no. it's very difficult to pass and you do kind of get a, a two by two by two kind of situation, which is almost what we had here. It just seemed that no, I, I don't know if it was like the teams were too close or something. There wasn't enough between any of the teams to give anybody such an advantage that they were really dominating the the track. Uh, I guess the only person that we can probably say that about most uh, maybe. Herr Vettel. Yeah, um, he's, the, he's the most exciting man on the day. Which uh, tells you a lot, I think, about <laughs> about the Spanish Grand Prix. Um, well, let's go through the most memorable bit, bits that, that we can dredge from the memory banks. Um, I get to start. <laughs> so I get to start with the thing I enjoy talking about most with a smile on my face, which is Crestor Loldonado. Mm-hmm. Adding to his already burgeoning reputation as the new improved uh, Juan Pablo Montoya by uh, taking only three laps to twat into the catrum of Marcus Ericsson and earn himself a five-second stop-go penalty and Fast. probably another point on his license. Yeah, I mean, surely he's about to be coming up for a ban already and he's only five races into the season. It's just ridiculous. I think he's... Ironically, I don't even think he's he's not top of the... Penalty charts? I think he's all he's he's top, but he's joint with Jev, I think. For Jev. <laughs> um and I think half of that is because of his uh tire coming off. It really his fault at all, but there you go. Of course they get they get quite a quite a slap for that, don't they? Oh yes. Not not impressed by that. But yeah, so obviously Lewis, pole position. 
and immediately leads away. Nico in second. I don't think anybody in the world of Formula One at this point is surprised by that. And uh, that was that was kind of it <laughs> for the first for the top two drivers. For yeah, that. you you might as well have stopped the whole entire review there. In in that sense, it really didn't um, it didn't improve Brando, much from there. Brando did a, a great job of trying to convince us that because Lewis went um, soft, soft, hard, and because Nico went soft, hard, soft. We were on for a great battle towards the end of the end of the race, but no, it just didn't really materialise. I think Lewis opened up a one point one lead over Nico on the first lap, and I don't think it was much different by the end of the race. There was only a second or so in it at the end of the race. It was pretty much as you were, one and two, the Mercedes. No, no, it... I don't know if the problem is is that really. Um, because the tyres are so much better this season, there's just no... The the cliff is not happening to people, so doing the alternate strategy really make very much different. The undercut is is king. Yeah. Um, it's the but only... Of course, if Lewis has got track position, he gets to pit first, and whoever leads into the first corner is going to win the race, pretty much, on a track like this, and that's what happened. Because if Nico had gone into the first corner... He would have got to pit first, and he would have dictated the entire race, and that would have been it. It was Lewis getting to them in the first corner, basically won him the race. Yes. Essential. Yeah, Pole position on the Saturday, and then getting down to turn one in the front. And there, there you go, you might as well have had your house on Lewis from there, because he gets to dictate the strategy, and the two Mercedes drivers are equally matched. They just... but. It's just so difficult to overtake on the Catalonia, um, and equally and an equal drivers and equal car, the, the lead driver will tend to stay in front more often than not, and that's yeah. what happened. They have the advantage, you know. They're not they're not following other cars around. They have to do less overtaking. They're the first car that everybody gets blue flagged for. So yeah. it's it's exact it's exactly what Sebastian Vettel did for four years in the Red Bull. We're now just seeing Lewis Hamilton do it as well, and Mark Webber we knew could take Vettel on his day. Mark Webber was a great driver in the same way that Rosberg's a great driver, but because Vettel managed to nab the first corner and nab pole position, he was being able to dictate everything, and we're seeing exactly the same happen with Lewis. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I'm, just not as, I'm just not as angry about it yet as I was with Red Bull because of the dislike I had for guys like Christian Horner and Helmut Marko. But yeah. I'm, I'm disappointed that it isn't more competitive up the front, but I'm not... I'm not blood boiling, raging at Red Bull the way I was at Red Bull. I think the thing is, is that it, it. I wasn't the first time they won the championship. I was a little disappointed because I, I would have preferred Alonso to have won it. Um, I think or Weber, um, rather than Vettel. But when he won it, I was just like, well, fair play, youngest, you know, youngest winner. He was there. He got enough points and, and did it. And then the second season. It was pretty dull because it was just the Red Bulls, really, and it's like I uh, didn't really like that. And it just the more it went on, the just the less and less entertaining it became. Yeah. And absolutely. this is the and this is the first season of Merck, so I'm still reasonably entertained. Yeah, I agree. And you also get the feeling with Mercedes that if Nico puts one on Lewis, they're not going to say no. Like look at Bahrain. Even in this race, Rosberg was trying. He just couldn't get the job done. They let them fight up to the last lap. 
Whereas uh, at, at, with the Red Bull situation, you always knew that with 10 laps to go, that would be a sharp shop, five-second gap between the two, no problems, take the cars home. And so you knew that as soon as that situation came about, you might as well turn off and stop watching. Yeah. Which at least with the Mercedes, you know the two guys are going to go for a hammer and tong. That's the difference. Well, in a way, that's the that's the beauty of the fact that they started off with such an advantage. You know, the Rebel built itself up to the yeah. ability to pull four seconds out at the start of a, a race on whoever. Um, and they've started off with this time, which has meant that they've they built such an unassailable lead, realistically. Um, you know, they're already twice as many points ahead of third place. You know, even if Red Bull managed to pull, uh, you know, a trick card at the bottoms and, you know, come on strong towards the end of the season they're going to have wrapped this up by two thirds of the season. It's just the big, the big talking point that seems to have come out in the last sort of since it's at the Spanish Grand Prix. And then in the week since the Spanish Grand Prix has been, are they going to win every race this season? Mercedes. And I think, I think they might, I really think they might. I just, for every second that Red Bull gain, Mercedes are going to gain one as well. I just can't see them unless, they take each other off or they both have bad reliability on the same day. I can't, I honestly wouldn't surprise me if they won every race this season. And again, I probably wouldn't be um, too upset about that in, um, in, in terms of the season overall, because Mercedes have built the best car. Um, so why, it doesn't have to be a problem for one season. It's a problem if it's, um, if it's multiple seasons, but you know, yeah, if they win every race and they built the best car and maintain the lead, it's very difficult to argue against that being a, you know, a sort of fair enough result all, all the way around. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I guess we should probably talk about the other people in the race as we've pretty much covered that <laughs> Mercedes yeah, started one, two and finished two, one, two. It was a class of two different formulas, really. It was the Mercedes formula at the front and then everybody else behind. So, Who won the best of the rest this week, then? Well, very definitely Red Bull. Um, and very definitely Daniel uh, Ricciardo again, yeah. which is very good to see. Um, Although you have to suggest that if Vettel hadn't had his uh, problems in qualifying, probably would have taken third. He seemed pretty on it this weekend. Well, it's difficult to know, isn't it, really? Um yeah, it's ever's and buts, but he certainly would have been right up there, I think. He would have, you know, it's. I think we'd have seen a, a third, fourth battle in in Red Bull, um, which would have been interesting. Yeah, so let's talk about Vettel then. So he had, was it mechanical problems in qualifying, which meant he qualified 10th, I think. Yeah. And then, just to add to his worries, as soon as I read this, I, could, I gave myself a good smile. Is that a five-place grid drop? Five-place uh, for changing the gearbox. Gearbox, classic gearbox change that has become the norm in Formula 1. There's never a race goes by now where someone isn't taking five places for a gearbox. No. Nope. So poor Sebastian started 15th on the grid, and to his credit, was the only man that did any overtaking all day, pretty much. Yeah. And, and dragged that Red Bull well into the points. So. He was the only person that really did a different strategy. Um, he came in earlier than people... He did the tyres in, in a different way, and it paid off, you know. Mm-hmm. He, yeah. he, he undercut... had to pass people on the track. He took the strategy that had to pass people on the track, but then he did, so it was fine. 
He did. I don't even remember him doing that much overtaking. I can. I can. I, remember, I remember him doing probably more than anybody else. But yeah. Um, I think what happened was that they came up with a strategy that meant he did like long-term undercuts of people. Mm, so okay. he came in earlier than a lot of people, and then just got straight on it, and went for the. Yes, yeah, so there's maybe five laps gap or something, and then he would get. Yeah, he did a big leapfrog. And yeah. you know, people were like, "Oh well, Sebastian's massively behind. We'll just run to the tires until the end of their life, rather than going. Um, well, maybe we should come in a little bit earlier just to, you know, give ourselves the benefit of a, you know, not completely losing the time." And I think people lost time whilst he was still able to keep on improving. And when he was starting to lose time, the the gap, you know, people had started to take the best life out of their tires again. So all right, he was losing, but they. They weren't facing him at their be at their best times either, or coming out at the right times. So you know, hands up, little clap for the the strategists at Red Bull. Yeah, I was just about to say that. Of a blinder, really. Yeah, I was just about to say that. You have to tip your cap to them on on that one. And yeah. then Vettel did do at least two or three good passes down. Mm. You know, in the back straight. Well, he found a place that that um, Massa does it occasionally, and Grosjean. They find a little place that nobody expects to pass, and then they do the same pass like three or four times, and yeah. it kind of makes you think, why is the why are the other teams not on the radio saying, by the way, <laughs> Vettel's passed three people at this corner that that he's chasing you up on, so if this corner defend heavily, <laughs> but they yeah. didn't seem to do it, and he just seemed to keep keep on yeah, ducking underneath people into the was it uh, was he ducking under people into the sort of chicane bit? Yeah, it's kind of a chicane. Uh, it's the, the little back straight but I think they might have had a second DRS zone in there, possibly. Mm. So he was getting DRS and then just doing people on the brakes. It, it, like you say, a corner where they didn't expect to be done, pretty much. Well, and I'm, I'm guessing that's down slightly to the aerodynamics there. He's coming into Yeah, I mean, the Red Bull has got good aero. We all know that, so... Um, so, uh, yeah, yeah, 15th to 4th is... A, a mighty impressive feat, I think, especially in this season where, um, you know, the Rebel don't have the ultimate advantage that they had before. Um, but fair play to Daniel Ricciardo because he he didn't start third, did he? Did he start fourth? I think Bottas started third. Um, think. No, no, he started Bottas third. Started. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Just checking it here. Um, but still, you know, he he was only only. 48 seconds behind the Mercs, which... Are you talking about Ricardo here? Yes. Um, he was 48 seconds, or uh, 40, nearly 49 seconds. Still about a second a lap almost, isn't it? Well, that was 66 laps. You, you have to say that, you know, <laughs> he managed to keep it just under a second a lap, roughly. Hooray. <laughs> <laughs> um, which has got to be pretty good news for for um, for people. Um Another good drive from Bottas, who was behind the Red Bulls. Yeah, and again... Solid, but unspectacular. What are we doing here with Williams? It's like we say every week. Should they be really happy that they're getting fifths and sixths? Or should they be a bit annoyed that they're not... Third. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not still challenging maintaining for my third stance. either. I'm maintaining my stance that at this stage that's still progress and they should still be fairly happy with where they are. Hey, I don't think they can be unhappy. That's probably not what I'm saying, but... My memory's not the best. What happened to Massa? I noticed he finished on the 13th. Was he in an incident? Um, didn't he have a... Did he have a slow pit stop? 
It is that what it was? And I think his first pit stop was slow. I maybe I may be making that up because he's had he's had about four or five. Oh no, what four or five? But he's had a couple of dodgy pit stops already this season. It seems to be his his thing. Um, I might be wrong. I think that's what it was. He had a, no, he did, didn't he? He had a really terrible pit stop that took absolutely forever. Um, and just basically blew his race completely and utterly. Sure it was. I'm just having a look here. But I can't, I can't <laughs> Find out for me. Anything. Sure, <laughs> my personal Google. <laughs> I can't pinpoint anything that suggests why he had such a poor finish, but... This is the problem with doing it a week later. Forget things like Felipe Massa's 13th place. <laughs> yes, Not a do. computer, ladies and gentlemen. I can't remember everything. So. Oh, well. No mind. Anyway, something happened that gave him a bad race. And, uh, you know, I mean, that's Felipe's luck, really, isn't it? One way or another. Yeah. I think, I think he's just always... He's always going to have that with him wherever he goes now. His stigma of being the unlucky man. He's the new Mark Webber, pretty much. Yeah, it does seem that's to be... Yeah. Formula One. It does seem to be the case. Two by two, Ferraris then sixth and seventh. Pretty much where I kind of expected them to be. Well, yeah. And I guess this is probably the controversial talking point of the of the whole Grand Prix, isn't it? Is um Fernando Alonso seeming to get the preferential treatment on the ah, stop? Yes, of course. Yeah, and Akimi was asked about it and I think <laughs> he, he just, just didn't say anything. I think he yeah, fucked off, didn't he? Pretty much. <laughs> He just went, oh, I don't know, see you later. And that was the end of it. And poor Natalie Pinkham was just like, okay. <laughs> Dick would do straws and whoever gets the shortest one is the <laughs> <That's end> <laughs> Um So, yeah, that, I mean, that was the point. I feel a bit sorry for Kimmy because obviously... Very out, odd one because... He out-qualified you know, Alonso for a start and then... But... I don't know, is it is it too early for Ferrari to be getting behind Fernando Alonso just because he's like third in the championship problem is though if Alonso's got in his contract I will get preferential pit stop calls and things like that then could you could you imagine Kimi Raikkonen signing to Ferrari knowing that would I don't I mm. did he know that I, think I mean you, surely you'd have to ask you, I mean you'd think surely you would but surely you'd have something to think I will not play second fiddle to whoever my teammate is if you're a former world champion you surely you go in saying look I don't care if I'm not number one necessarily, but you won't make me a number two. I mean, I agree with you, and in general you would think so, but who knows what goes on in these conversations, eh? Well, that's... If they're paying him a big enough amount of money, I don't know. Kimi doesn't strike me as the type to do things for the money, but who knows what yeah. what went down. Yeah. Certainly Alonso got the call, and... Well, maybe we'll need to wait and see if that kind of thing happens again because this is the first time it's happened so if yeah. something like that happens again then you have to raise serious eyebrows about why it's happening hmm. I don't know but it didn't make a massive difference other than the two Ferraris would have swapped around possibly the yeah. only thing like what what we can say is they wouldn't have gone any further up the field than where they were, and they were probably good enough to beat everything behind them. They're exactly where their pace get lets them be, pretty much, which is sixth and seventh, pretty rank average. Yes. Um, surprise finish, uh, I think, for everybody. In that, I I don't think you'd have said that within the first 
Um, I wouldn't have bet it. Certainly not. Was I that the first four, f- four races? Yeah, that was the fourth race. So. In the first four races that Lotus would score any points whatsoever. Um, you would have probably got reasonable odds on them saying that they wouldn't have finished a race by the first four races. But um, it goes to show, doesn't it, really, that um, rarely do you take a good car and turn it completely shit. Um, they obviously still had some of the systems in it that were good um, last season uh, and just that they were the poorest of the Renault, you know, Renault-engined mm-hmm. guys out there by the Caterhams, uh, obviously. But um... It's amazing that you could do a team like Lotus and have all the problems they have and have all... The, they were like a month behind even beginning to build their car at the start of the year. They have no team principal... No team principal for the first like month and a half or something. Stuck a team principal in who has never worked in Formula One in his life as a venture capitalist, and yet they're still when when reliable when they get the car to the line quicker than the Caterhams, the Marussias, and even the Sarbers. Like, mm. what does that say about guys like Caterham and Marussia who are like, admittedly they don't have the financial clout, but they're working their asses off to try and improve, and they're still getting done by a team who have been in such disarray as Lotus. It's yeah. strange. I mean, like, there's a lot to be said for starting off with the... If you think about where the Lotus team, its origins are with the Renault team and the the people they must have had already in the, in the factories and the capabilities of the factories, mm-hmm. makes a big difference. Do yeah. you know what I mean? They yeah. can develop at a rate that Caterham and Russia can only dream of. But well, there you go. You that said, they had to, to, to seemingly develop from almost nothing to you know to where they are now. And and hats off to Grosjean, proven again that he's really improved. Mm. That car can't be, it can't have been easy to drive in this first four races, and he's certainly held his head high and no, absolutely did qualified, a good job. Qualified fifth and finished eighth has got to be like winning a race for Lotus at this point in the season. Yeah. I'm really pleased for Grosjean as well because he came on big time last season and he deserves a car that can certainly compete to an extent. doesn't need to be a world championship winning car, but he deserves a car that that can show that he's better than what perhaps a lot of people mm. thought he would be. Absolutely. His teammate, on the other hand, <laughs> is proving that he's everything everybody thought he would be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, no, he's... Um... <sighs> I don't know. There's part of me that's starting to become a kind of like Pastor Maldonado because he's so shit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's... I understand. Like, I, I get it. <laughs> There's a sort of, oh, it's Pastor Maldonado. Great, he's going to crash into somebody and fucking do something stupid. And I'll be able to go, ha he's done fucking something stupid. And he's, he's like the joke character. It's like he's been put in there deliberately for a bit of comic relief. Like... You can't you can't be that bad and be a professional driver. Like something's a mess there. Yeah, it's very very strange. Well, there's 20 million reasons why presumably he yeah. is a Formula One driver. Uh, not one of those is uh, his ability to not crash into other cars on the track every race. Uh, back to the race. Uh, disappointing. I'm I'm gonna s- sort of go for both the teams. That finished ninth, tenth, eleventh, and twelfth. Um, two by two again, isn't it? There's a lot of two by two this this race. Yeah, 
so the, both the Forced Indies, ninth and 10th, with uh, Perez getting the better of Hulkenberg. Uh, and then, really disappointingly, um, the two McLarens uh, button ahead of Magnussen. Was they just... need a good weekend this weekend. They really do. I don't think they're going to get it either. Um, what they seem to be suggesting is that uh, they can't get the tyres to work. And, you know, when you're talking about the Pirellis that everybody's sort of really happy with, you've got to be really worried about a team that... <laughs> it's funny, it's so difficult to find a, a temperature window that um, that suits them. Yeah, it's strange because they looked so good in Melbourne and it's just gone completely backwards. Yeah, it, it can't be too hot and it can't be too cold, which is just, yeah. Well, what, good luck what? finding that, that and getting that there, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, I really don't know. I don't know where they're going to get their speed from. That's the... At what point do you say next season with a Honda? At what point do you say, right, fuck it. <laughs> We're getting Honda next season. Yeah. Well, they've got you know uh, they got their two better. podiums. Um, Which is better than what they've got last year, admittedly. So. Yep. Um, they wouldn't. I don't think people would begrudge them if they sort of started to to think towards designing stuff around how Honda are going to package their their engine. Um, they certainly aren't going to challenge. Mercedes, obviously, no. and, are they, and and realistically, what they need to ask themselves is, can they challenge Red Bull for second? And if that's no, then yeah, you're right. It almost isn't worth putting the resource in, is it? To yeah, get, to, to work your way back up to sixth and seventh. Um, exactly. You know, it's all right for a Ferrari where it doesn't really matter. You know, they need to do that. They have to do that. They don't have a choice. You know, but McLaren could could be more canny about it potentially and use this as a season to bed Magnussen in. Yeah. Um, you know, use use Jensen to help test and trial stuff as much as possible in the practice sessions for, you know, maybe next season. Try and get as much in-season testing as you can for stuff you think you might bring next year, maybe. Um, I certainly, if I was at that team, would be looking at it before Silverstone, if it continues this way. In the next two or three races, if they don't get a good result this weekend and they don't get anything... Yeah, I think yeah. they'll, I think they'll probably look at Austria and Silverstone as the go no go on the season because yeah. they're both they're both tracks that should suit the Mac the McLaren's characteristics the most, especially Austria, given that it's such a it's traditional no thing. It's <laughs> not you know it's um, they're not medium speed high speed corners that the rebels you know are are so fond of. So hopefully, you know. They'll they'll know what they brought by then, um, and they you know they should be starting to get those aerodynamicists on board that they've been picking up from all over the place, um, and you know I guess you just got to see with the McLarens, they are entirely capable of turning a car around within this time period. It's just whether they can or not. And it's so strange to see them languishing down there where they've been in the past with. First of all, with Senna and Prost, and then with Hakkinen, and even with Kimi and Lewis, to see them become a mid-table team that they've become in the last two years—it's so weird to watch as a fan. Like you're used to McLarens winning races, you're used to them dominating. It's funny, isn't it? Really, because I, I certainly think of McLaren like that. 
but they're a very they've always been a very spotty team haven't they in that sense is they go through real purple patches where they just come you know they, they design the best car on the field by bar none um and then quite often do go into a bit of a wilderness patch where you know they're they're off the pace and don't seem they to be to getting come, anywhere they need to come back from this current period of wilderness next year though or the risk becoming like a williams and just been out there in the wilderness so long that that becomes your home i think the thing that mclaren have got that williams don't have is well a the road car side of stuff there is no williams w1 and i think that in itself gives mclaren something that makes them more um desirable in terms of all the sponsorship and bits and pieces i know they don't have a title sponsor this is but i think that's more because ron is holding out for a very a seriously good deal rather than and that you know that in itself to me shows the ambition of the team you know they're not going to sign you know a, a deal with somebody for some money just because that's the deal on the table you know they'd rather work with their existing partners and give them you know time on the car and whatever that brings in than sign you know like a five-year deal and then suddenly go oh well if we just waited a season then i don't know um, Christelle Champagne was willing to sponsor our car for 200 billion pounds or something ridiculous, do you know what I mean? You just um, have to trust Ron with that stuff, you know he's he's a wise old head when it comes to that kind of thing. So I mean he generally to... doesn't steer him wrong, does he? Generally he made a few boo-boos here and there, but generally he, he seems to have vision and I, you know, there's that that seems to me the way it works is you get people with vision, like your newies Ross Brauns, Jean Todds, even people like Flavio Briatore, you, you know, uh, and even people like Eddie Jordan. Do you know what I mean? People have a singular vision and can see the route and doggedly follow it to get what they want. You know, they, they're the kind of people that do things, regardless of whether people like them or not. Um, and probably all of the people I've mentioned other than Eddie Jordan <laughs> have all at some point been universally hated for something they've done. But True. Sure. You know, they're all people who have gotten results. That's it. Good guys come last, eh? Uh, yes. <laughs> John so, Eric Verne must be a very good guy, then, I think. That's... Oh, Verne. Oh. Um, so down the field, Massa was mentioned, 13th. Uh, Kvyat, 14th, unspectacular from him after some good performances to the start of the race. Didn't seem like Toro Rosso's race this weekend. No. Nope. It was just a uh, on it. And the Saubers must be... Oh feeling pretty pretty downhearted with their stuff this yeah. so far this season that's uh i think the only thing that they can be positive about is that esteban gutierrez is beating adrian Tittle. Um, are you surprised i'm do you know what? i'm not but i don't, I don't rate, think he would be because i don't rate adrian Sutil, and i think i think the years i think the time he spent out of the sport has really hurt him yeah i can't see Sutil um being around possibly even next season no, that they need to get in like Stoffel Van Dorn from yeah. Uh, the they'd, be, they'd be so much better off just sticking some young, enthusiastic, hungry driver in there than Sutil. They can't like they're not going to do any worse than Sutil, and they might do fantastic. Yeah, playing it safe with a guy like Sutil is just resigning yourself to mediocrity. Oh, yeah. it really is. It's the he, he you know it's the signing of um, like Lee Chapman or something like that. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> The journeyman yeah. striker. Like, never gonna, well, yeah, never gonna he's, he's going to bang in a couple of goals, but is it really worth playing him 
the rest of the times when he doesn't and he's a fucking donkey yeah, probably not and that's that's kind of how I feel about Suttle at the moment I think he's he's dragging himself around he had a he had a couple of good races in Force India and then was eclipsed by Paul DeResta who couldn't even get a drive this season which just goes to show how fucking ludicrous it is yeah um you know, and then he's in the Sauber, which is shit, and he can't, you know, he can't beat his teammate, um, you know, who people Stick. didn't seem to rate, but I, I think he's actually a very good driver, and I, I hope Esteban gets, you know, either the, the Sauber improves or somebody else takes a chance on him as a, you know, as another driver. Like I think he, I think he could be quite a good driver given the chance to mature and and learn at the F1 crap. Cra- uh craft um i think i'm good. not sure i'm not convinced time will tell on that one but i haven't seen anything that makes me think that but this way when cyber don't employ gutierrez i don't think he'll have a drive i don't think anybody I, i've not seen anything if i was another team i've not seen anything that would make me go yeah this guy in cyber's doing well we'll bring him in Whereas, for example, even Bianchi in Russia, I look at him and if I was on another team, I'd say, oh, yeah, I'd take a chance on that Bianchi down at Russia. He's doing well. I um, don't get that from Gutierrez. I get that from guys like Bianchi, Kvyat, Perez before he was at McLaren, Hulkenberg before his last season and a half. I don't get that with Gutierrez. I don't get that feeling instantly that he's going to be something. So we'll wait and see. Time will tell. It, it is. It's difficult to say at this point. I it's mean, still very early for him in his career. So. Yeah, it's the same with Kevin Magnussen, isn't it? And you, you even just... Magnussen, has only been about four races, and automatically feel like he could definitely go on to do something. Yeah, it's like Vern. Vern and Toro Rosso. He's been he's here two and a half seasons. Anything, you know, I've seen nothing from him that suggests he's going to be anything. Same as Buemi, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you were just like there and just going. No, you can drive just... the car at a reasonable standard, but you're never gonna. No, you are it. you are Anthony Davidson. Just be. Yeah, not like Anthony Davidson, but that's... he was never a world champion, was he? He was never going to be, you know, or um, or, or anything close. But no. not everybody can be world champion, as we often say in uh, other sports. Yeah. Um, True. So we'll go. wait and see, but. I think, like we've already alluded to, Sabah would have been better off with someone other than Sutil. Van Dorm sounds like a very good shout. Well, he's other than the last race in GP2, he's been a pretty much a revelation in in the series. So, I've actually started taking to watching bits of the GP2 races just. To I've try got and... I've got in Sky series link record now because I want to see it. I've, this this week I've been flicking through my. What I was doing was looking through the Sky F1 channel for the um, the classic Monaco Grand Prix. Yeah, and um, I've seen the GP too, and I was like, "Oh yeah, record that! I want to see that." So I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it this weekend, and hopefully I'll see some good stuff out of Van Dorn. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, again, it's the it's probably the <laughs> do you know what I mean the 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 biggest bright horizon really on on McLaren's thing is that they've mm. got two very young good drivers at the uh, at yeah. the moment. Um, Just can't give them a car <laughs> too no. often in the past. It's like the anti Ferrari. No, sorry. I'm misword with that. Like Ferrari have got the experienced drivers and can't give them a car. McLaren have got the young drivers and got, can't give them a car. Whereas, the um, like, it's uh, getting tongue tied. Yeah, I know what I'm trying to say in my head, but I can't. 
point is, neither of them can give them a car, but they've yeah. got these good drivers. And then you see teams that have got good cars with bad drivers, and it's like, anyway. Yeah. Uh, let's round off. Let's finish up the review with uh, last last places. Uh, Bianchi and Chilton um, ahead of Ericsson. Kamui didn't finish, and neither did Jev. Um, bad bad times for the Caterham. Yeah, um, they've chosen pick. the wrong engine manufacturer, it would seem, for this season, which is a bit of a shame because presumably if they'd had the Renault of previous seasons, they'd uh, be actually uh, ahead of the Mauritius. Um, and I, I don't know. I, I try to, to, I try to look down that end of the field. I try not, not to ignore them and just concentrate on the things that I want to watch because it's, I want to see the developing. The, do you get the feeling that maybe the Mauritius have? come on a little bit more this season than they have in other seasons? I would say so. They look close to the Sabres, probably. I mean, I know that's partly down to the fact that the Sabres are doing so fucking awfully. Yeah. But... I don't see them getting a point anytime soon unless we have a crazy race, but... Yeah, you need a you need a Monaco 96, was it? Yeah. You, absolutely you, pissed down. Yeah, or a Spa 98 where, like, four people finish or something. Yeah. But other than that... The gap doesn't look as monumental. It doesn't look like Formula One and then two teams who are not in F1. No. <laughs> it looks like Formula One and then Caterham a little bit. <laughs> yeah, it just is getting there. Yeah, I don't look at it and think, oh, there's two new teams that aren't on the pace. I just look at it as them being pissed teams. Yeah. Maybe that's just because we're now accustomed to them running around the back in the same way that we grew to love them and Hardy. Yes, that could be true. You know, I've got a soft spot for Caterham. And, um, uh, I like I like Bianchi. I've, you know me, I'm a bigger fan of Bianchi, so I always like to see see him and by extension the Marussia do well. It would, just, it would just be nice if they, you know, they weren't the first people to be lapped every single fucking time. They weren't always two laps down compared to everybody else. You know... <laughs> People get lapped. Do you know what I mean? Everybody was lapped <laughs> up until seventh place. Um, it's just that only three cars were lapped twice and they were the two Maritas and the one Caterham that finished. And that I'd just like them to be, you know, that one lap down, the same mm-hmm. as all the other cars. And then I think I could be quite happy about the position and say, well, they got a chance now, haven't they? they Somebody's got, got to be last, yeah, like... But yeah, I mean, I don't think that's necessarily a million miles away. I know we've been saying that for seasons now, but I don't think it's a million miles away. Certainly, the Mauritius seem to be doing something. Well, I think, I think the the reset in a way has been actually quite. You know, I know that everybody's saying it's a, it's bad for them financially, but in a way, it's been good for them because it means that um, pretty much everybody had to be reset. You couldn't quite build on last year's cars quite so much, and just assume that if you had a decent car last year, it was definitely going to be good this year. Uh, you know, I know the Red Bull have got the aero package, but you know, what difference has that made to them this season? Well, it's not, you know, it's not been the winning card that it has been in previous seasons. So, you know, I think it's good for them in that, and that the, they've been able to design their own things that have made a difference. Yeah. Uh, without having to just go, oh fuck, somebody's come up with a blown exhaust gas system that we now have to spend all our time trying to copy just to catch up to the back of them, without then being able to work on anything else. So. We'll see how it goes for them for the rest of the season and then maybe the next season. But, um, you know, fair, fair play to them for sticking at it and trying again, as always. Absolutely. So, driver of the day? Uh, well, it's got to be Vettel, really, isn't it? Um, yeah, you made 11 places up on, in, on Catalonia. That's pretty much unheard of. So, 
For yeah. a com- combination of some good passes and a cracking strategy, got to give it to him as well. Yeah, I think there's there's possibly an honourable mention for um, Nico Rosberg for sticking at the dullest task in the world, which is being a few seconds behind somebody you are only a few tenths quicker than most of the time. Yeah, and sticking at it to get get the gap down to 0.6 seconds. Um, I I personally don't think he would have actually ever taken Lewis, even if he'd had the the couple of laps he thought he would. I think he'd have still been close, but I think you know. I think Lewis's ability at defending would have probably seen him through, even if Rosberg had an extra two laps, three laps. I think Lewis would have been good enough to survive. Yeah, no, absolutely. They were both quite even, even cars and evenly matched on this circuit. So, yeah. And our uh, nutcase of the race? Mm, is there only one? I think, I think there is only one. <laughs> Poor old Pastor Maldonado. Bless. Yeah. He's just, like, it's the Pastor Maldonado Award for... <laughs> uh, Achievements in nutcasery, isn't it? Like, yes. Oh, I love that. Achievements in nutcasery. That's uh, I want I want that award, god damn. <laughs> well I think that nicely wraps up the Spanish Grand Prix for us, so let's head into the Formula One news. The final lap podcast. And sadly, the Formula One news begins with the sad passing of Sir Jack Brabham, um, three-time world champ, uh, first man to ever... Is it first or only? It could be. He's the only man to build his own car and, and win, win the championship. Yeah. Um, Aussie legend. Um, I didn't realise he'd won three world titles until uh, until obviously the news this week. I looked into it and I was like, "Oh, was he a, was he a three time?" I thought he was only maybe a one once or at the most two. Impressive. Yeah, he um, he had a very interesting racing career. He said, "I believe he won one of his championships pushing his car over the line." <laughs> and that it, oh. gave, it gave up within the last few hundred yards. We need more. And he, of that. he literally <laughs> all he had to do was finish in like seventh. And he was first, his car broke down, and he pushed it over the line just for seventh and therefore won the world championship. You'd so think, never get away with that. These days, <laughs> I think he's the only world one championship that has ever pushed his car to a world title. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, if he built the thing, then pushing it shouldn't be too hard, can it? <laughs> no, probably not. Um, so that's sad news. I mean, he was he obviously had a very long and fulfilling life. Um and and he'd been ill for la- for the last couple of years, um, but that's a you know that's a real legend in the sport um, of a of a caliber of driver and man that we are unlikely to to see again. Um, so thoughts and prayers with the uh, the Brabham family and um, the, you know uh, uh, what's the Formula One version of a ten bell salute? I don't know a ten rev salute to yeah. <laughs> to Sir Jack. Um, in in lighter news, um, Kimi Raikkonen has decided to be in a uh, talkative mood um, about not having that many opportunities to drive anything else other than a Formula One car when you're a Formula One driver, which 
kind of sounds a bit weird. Um, but I, I can kind of see what he's saying. If you think mm-hmm. about, you know, um, back in the day, the the drivers all used to drive in other series, um, sometimes in the lower series to Formula One. Um, obviously, uh, Jim Clark was killed in a Formula Two race, uh, not an F1 race. Um, which is probably not the best best advertising for having no. another formula in formula one <laughs> but... great, is it? especially when you think of guys like kubitsa who ended his formula one career fucking about in rally cars uh, yeah so... um it would be nice to see that there would be other things for the drivers to do but when could they do it yeah, the formula I mean, one season is so fucking long these days you got no chance really no chance i mean it's what 20 great 20 grand prix now pretty much and then you've got uh, testing to squeeze in then as soon as the season ends you maybe get like a week before you're back at the factory designing the new car for the next season of course you've got family and kids and people you want to see away from F1 you've got no chance <laughs> no, I mean it would be kind of nice if what they did was they could come up with some kind of formula for the Formula 1 drivers to do in and around the practice sessions do you know what I mean? so Friday practice they also did a 20 lap um truck race <laughs> <laughs> yes Bring yes back truck yes racing. yes <laughs> um but anything almost do you know what i mean a, a dtm type series you know a sort of four four door saloony type thing where yeah, the, chan- cool. the chances of injury are low and so you, you could like, um lewis and alonso that battling out in touring cars and stuff that'd be pretty awesome i think actually i think it would be really fun and you could have you know you could invite people in for the races and stuff like you could say that each you know each team has a formula one driver and one other driver that yeah. they can change throughout the season so they you could have, have yeah what were you going to say Sorry. well you could you could have the the dtm or the british touring car drivers come in for for a race to to partner a, you know um yeah take um take like ivan muller from world touring cars or something like that and have, you could have like these sort of fantasy matchups like Lewis Hamilton versus Ivan Muller or whatever who comes out the best Formula One versus touring cars or that kind of thing yeah like and if you chose if you chose one type of car to be the you know if you all said they were all driving around in I don't know BMW 3 series or something you know that kind of yeah you, you would choose not, a classic the car they can fuck about with what tires they want to put onto it but the the engine underneath is the same and you know they can paint them whatever color they like but that's it um, and it's just about driving around as fast as you can possibly make an M3 go around whatever circuit you happen to be on for 20 laps. The chances of injury are negligible in something that big and heavy and not likely to go you know, anywhere near the speeds of a Formula 1 car. Um, and it just gives gives another thing for the drivers to be doing into the fans to follow and I was going to say that for the fans at the circuit who are there on the Friday morning or whatever to watch practice it gives them something a bit of interest yeah something different like when I went down to Silverstone it was pretty cool to see like the um, the Porsche Super Cup and things like that like all these extra things you don't really see on TV so yeah that'd be, if I went to a long time F1 race and seen like I say Kimmy and Kimmy and Fernando battling it out in trucks or something. That would be. I would love that. I would absolutely love that. So, and I'm I, think sure, I think it's a great idea. And I'm sure people would say, well, there is a Porsche race on, a thing, and there's often a GP2 race on or a GP3 race or a something. You know, th- there are other formulas going on. But 
But people follow Formula One, and I think you you get the tie in to people being more interested in other series if there was some crossover. Yeah, you know. Um, no, I think it would be well cool to have like some touring car guys in and some Formula One guys, and all just. Do you know what would be even could... would be fine is if they did go karts. Let them do go karts oh, yeah. or something ridiculous. Everybody starts in go karts these days. So say every weekend there is a you know there is a GP there is a. a, a go-kart race for that thing and it runs with all the same rules as formula one or whatever you want to say same point system and all the bits and pieces everybody turns up in their completely identical go-karts and just drives around a, a quickly hashed out track in the middle of the thing with cameras on so that everybody can follow it just just for a laugh just to get it's something. like um it's like in the masters and the golf they do the par three competition before the actual competition yes like that just like a bit of fun Get, get celebrities that involved, get ex-drivers, get legends involved, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I would, I would absolutely be in favour of that. And it'd be really interesting to see if they all had the same machinery. Like, you'd get someone like Jules Bianchi or something winning. Yeah. And it'd be like, oh, people would take notice and be like, oh, give this guy equal machinery, you can drive a bit, you know? Like, it would, it would let, let guys who don't have a good car in Formula 1 show what they can do a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, it'd be brilliant if someone from a lower-down team started kicking everybody's ass every week in this <laughs> other formula that they're doing. Yeah, no, absolutely. No, absolutely. So yeah. there you go. We okay. we agree with Kimi Raikkonen, which is not all that um, unusual for us, since we both we both like a bit of Kimi. Um, possibly in that way, I don't know. Can't <laughs> I can't speak for sure. <laughs> um, Felipe Massa has been in the press saying that what he'd like to see is a bigger balance between mechanical grip and aerodynamic grip um, in the form of perhaps extending the width of the tyres back to uh, perhaps, not perhaps the monstrous four-foot-wide kind of things you saw back in the in the 70s, but something that, that meant that the tyres gave a lot more grip compared to, you know, as a percentage compared to the aero. Um, and why aren't we doing that? Yeah, I agree with Massa on this story. I, I'm in favour of that. If we if we're if we're spending you know the FI spending all this time every season killing aerodynamics, well why don't you know why don't they give an alternative to aerodynamics instead of saying, oh well aerodynamics is still king but we're just going to constantly take away your ability to do stuff, you know, do the things main... like say front wings, two diffusers, you know there's two diffusory wing flaps. You get one diffuser at the back, um, you know, and the wing has to be designed like this. No cutouts or any bits and pieces, but we'll make your tyres wider so that, you know, uh, it, it's more to the feel of the car rather than it being glued to the road. In, in... Seems seems like an obvious thing to do to make it 50-50. That way someone who's very good at aerodynamics, such as Red Bull, doesn't, doesn't run away with things. You can't, like, if someone's very good at aero but not good at mechanical, then that's fine because all the emphasis is on aero, whereas if it's 50-50, you need to be good at both. So, yeah, I mean, it seems like the obvious <laughs> obvious thing to do. Lotus has also come out in uh, the press, and there was a couple of things, actually. The first one um, is that uh, Renault made a sort of cryptic message saying that somebody on the formula one grid was not keeping up their payments to them um Caterham, and surely. everybody everybody assumed it was lotus because obviously 
Lotus. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they were very forthright in the press saying, no, we're all up to date. And if Renault were going to say these things, they should name the team and not put undue speculation on other teams who have paid. Fair um, enough, yeah. Granted. I believe that Caterham have also said that they've, they're paid and up to date. And I was thinking, right. well, who does that leave then? Who else is in a Renault engine? It's the, it's the Red Bull and Toro Rosso, isn't it? Now, Red Bull are Red Bull Infinity, so there must be some massive marketing to deal between Renault and um, the Infinity engine, just in case you're, you are unaware, is a joint project between Renault and Nissan. Hence the reason why it's they're not just Red Bull Renault anymore, because it's a, those engines are all built between those two companies. Um, so it has to be Toro Rosso, doesn't it? Which then makes you think, the Toro Rosso are a rebel. Why the fuck are they not paying their bills? <laughs> yeah, surely Red, they can just be like, hey, Red Bull, sub us 20 quid, and there you go. Like They're funded by Dietrich Matisic, so... Yeah. How could they not be paying their bills, basically? <laughs> very strange, very strange. Very, possibly more to come on that. Yeah. Um, and the other thing that they came out and said was that they think that... Um, Roman Grosjean will be here this season at Lotus. They think they may struggle to keep him next year. I would not be surprised by that. Uh, and then I wondered, well, I wonder where he's going to go. He's not going to go to the Mercs. Not going to go to the Red Bulls. Not going to go to the Ferraris. Probably not going to go to the Williams. Because I suspect they'll keep Bottas and Felipe. Mm -hmm. probably not going to go to the Force Indies because they've just signed Perez and Hulkenberg this season and that seems to be working quite well for them but then that gets you down to the McLarens <laughs> you're getting worried <laughs> and I'm suddenly thinking dear god Indeed might have been right but only out by two seasons um, <laughs> the they can't replace Magnussen. They're not going to do that. I just can't see them doing that. They, they've got to give the boy time. Jensen has, I think, I think he has, he just signed another deal, didn't he? I think he has two years with Honda. That's what I was going to say. I think he has this year and two years with Honda, I think. So I, I can't see them doing it. But it does seem like that's the... The only other place that he would want to go to. Unless some, you never know, something mad might happen. Formula One changes on a daily basis. Kimi might have a big falling out with Ferrari or something. Massa might choose to retire because he fails to finish 16 races in a row. <laughs> like, something crazy could happen. So, let's, I mean, I mean, like you said, your, your theory is sound. Going through them right now, today, team by team, you couldn't see anything really changing. But, as we all know, things change, so... Well, like, yeah, I, mean, I, I agree with you. I mean, initially when you mentioned it there, I went, yeah, I wouldn't surprise me if he left Lotus. I said that purely on the basis because I think Grosjean's doing a great job. But like, when further further analysis, yeah, right. He's Where not would he go? To a better team, is he? No. He's only only got the choices of Sauber and Toro Rosso, really. None of neither <laughs> of which he's. Well, he's not going to get into a Toro Rosso because he's got I, I, part of the young driver program. I'd reject a Sauber drive right now. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Even in a Lotus, I think that's. Uh, I think you're pretty safe there that the Lotus is better than the Sauber. 
yeah, so, you're right. Yeah, so and Grosjean and Lotus are a decent fit right now with the French connections at Lotus. So yeah, but what you know? What if it's a money thing? What if they think that they won't be able to offer him an improved contract? Then, then what's he going to do if he can't get a drive elsewhere? Does he yeah. take less money to stay on at Lotus because they can't afford to pay him what he was being paid before? Or what? And then he has to move out of Formula One, which is just stupidity. Yeah. I hate this sport. <laughs> He's like, it'll be like the rest all over again. A talented young driver not being able to get a drive because he wants paid for his work, shot Cora. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> um. Paid? No. Come on now. <laughs> anyway, no, but when you haven't said, haven't looked at it like that, the way that we just have, you'll probably remain at Lotus, you would think, you? I think so. Um... He seems to me that he could be a driver that with another another two seasons maybe at that same team, with the team starting to build around her and giving him the confidence, learning how to be a team leader, learning how to give the best feedback, he could be a handy driver for somebody in those two years. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? He could be then ready to jump into a Ferrari or a Merck or a Red Bull or a McLaren, you know, a, a top-end team, or a Williams, let's not be unfair, you know, a, a team that's doing well could be saying you know Grosjean's been here you know doing a job successfully getting good laps out of potentially bad cars or even good cars because you don't know what the Lotus will do in future it might be really good in two seasons time or in next season but they've got to keep him haven't they well they can only have him and somebody else it just makes no sense to do anything else yeah no, I agree. Have you picked out any particularly interesting news stories this week? Uh, not overly, just the um, the in-season testing that we uh, that we had from Catalonia after the race. They tried out the new exhaust in an attempt to make it louder, make the engines louder, which we've covered that pretty much to death in the first few weeks this season, the noise levels, but... I like having the I like having the quieter noise. I like to hear the things that you don't normally get to hear. But yeah, they put essentially a big trumpet, <laughs> literally a big trumpet <laughs> on the back of <laughs> on the back of the the red uh, the Mercedes car. And you know, from what I could tell, it made no difference. I think <laughs> uh, it, it, was, it was a mad one. It was literally a big trumpet, like they were trying to put the engine noise through a megaphone or something like this looks so silly but Rosberg doesn't seem to think it's worked and he was the one driving the car with it on it and uh, there was a quite a good interview with Guido van der Gaard on Sky F1 he also didn't seem to think that it made much of a difference so it looks like that little plan to try and increase the noise has kind of not not come together so back to the drawing board on that one, I think. Yeah. No. Um. Hmm. I don't know what they're going to do about that. I mean, it seems to be that, you know... I've forgotten all about it. I don't even notice the no. difference now. Like, it's like one of these things that people moan for a week and then just get on with it. If, if, if they hadn't bothered with this test to try and create a better noise and just hadn't mentioned it at all... People would stop speaking about it. It would have been forgotten about. So, yeah. 
Just let's, let's, let's forget about it. This is the way it is now. Things change. So, yeah. this is the way it is. Let's move on. We're having good racing 99% of the time. Let's, uh, let's just crack on. Yeah. People were saying it might be quite interesting to see what it's like in Monaco where the track is so enclosed by stuff. Um, whether uh, A, the echoes of the buildings will make it sound a different different or more interesting. Um, or also whether in a place where the uh, crowd is so on top of it, whether actually they'll be happier uh, about the fact that, um, you know, it's not so freaking ear splitting and that, you know, it doesn't keep all of their stop all of it's all of their martini glasses don't shake off of the windowsills onto the uh, the plebs on the street. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe that's maybe the case. So, Monaco is. Well, indeed, a, a beautiful segue into a preview of the next race, which is the Monaco, because I am Sterling Moss, um, who never says Monaco, always says Monaco. Um, you notice that? Yeah, I've noticed that. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I don't get it, but there you go. Um, Who are you to argue with Sterling Moss? <laughs> I, I've, I am fucking nobody, mate. Sterling Moss survived falling down a fucking elevator shaft at like eighty. Yeah, that, the man's made of steel. How he hasn't died? I well, know. you see, you see <laughs> have you seen the thing of he had one of the crashes and they they showed he's got his steering wheel from that crash. Yeah, it's bent to fuck. <laughs> He's just like, bitch, please. <laughs> exactly. Do you know what I mean? Nothing is killing Sterling Moss now. If death turns up for Sterling Moss, he's going to run him over in his fucking mobility scooter or whatever. <laughs> Brilliant. So, um, yes, Monaco it is, and I'm excited. I'm looking forward to it an awful lot. Mainly because, as I say every week, I've got faith in Nico this week. <laughs> <laughs> he won last year, so I've got every reason to be full of faith. Let's see what he's got. Yeah, it's it's been his race more often than not, hasn't it? He's he he likes it. So it's obviously it's his home race. Um, but isn't it Lewis's home race now? Isn't he? Oh, no, he lives I mean, in Switzerland, what, doesn't he? Let's be honest. What Formula One drivers aren't don't have at least one residence in Monaco? Uh, They're all down there. <laughs> it's a tax haven. Yeah, Lewis moved to Switzerland, but I think he moved back or certainly away from Switzerland. I'm not sure, but. They've probably all got houses there. But I know for definite, Nico definitely considers it his home Grand Prix. But his nationality is all over the place because, you know, he's got a Finnish father. And <laughs> he's Germany. the, the, the uh, Austro, um, uh, Austro-Germanic Finnish. He speaks excellent English. He, wouldn't even, he barely even speaks with an accent. Like, he's just... Who knows what Nico is? A bit like Roman Grosjean. This is about to be a Roman Grosjean home Grand Prix. <laughs> he's he's another one with uh, several nationalities. So, oh well, that's true enough. Well, at least he has a nationality as opposed to Roman Grosjean, who appears to be from nowhere. Mm-hmm. Everybody thinks it's France. <laughs> Wikipedia says Switzerland. Who knows? Who even Pass. knows? Well, we'll just give this one to Grosjean as a home Grand Prix as well, seeing as France doesn't have a race anymore. So. And Switzerland doesn't have a race, so he can have Monaco. That's close enough. <laughs> that's close. That's basically France, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. But yes, uh, I'm off work, so I'm thoroughly looking forward to getting down on my Sunday, chilling out, eating some nice food and watching a, what hopefully should be a good race. Yeah, I mean, it, it's always one that's worth watching all the way through, isn't it? I think, you know, even though it's not always necessarily the 
you know, the most exciting one. It, it's usually fun. And the interesting thing, obviously, about this one is that um, if on the other tracks the Mercs have been, you know, nearly double lapping the other cars, uh, on a much shorter track, could they, you know, how much more of a pain is it going to be for them if they're constantly coming across people? Do you think they could lap the entire field up to second place? I think it's possible. I honestly think it's possible. Uh, 77 laps around uh, around Monte Carlo. Second a lap quicker. It's a short lap. It's possible. Short lap. It's, it's about one minute, ten. Yeah, it's possible. Definitely. If they can average a second a lap, they'll probably lap everybody. I mean, if you think about it, at the start of the thing, they've been usually a second quicker, and then they've upped it to a couple of seconds at the end of the race. So it could be... Yeah. It could be well within their power to be at that stage. Um, you see a very short lap, so it is possible. Uh, nice segue then into can anybody challenge the Mercs then? If, if, we're thinking, if we're talking about them lapping the whole field, we obviously think no. I think Red Bull are going to be able to use the uniqueness of Monaco to get any no. closer? No. Uh, I don't see it. Um, I think the... The advantage they had in previous things was their ability to leap off of corners, and I don't see that they've got that ability anymore. Um, I honestly think it's got to be down to one of the other Merc Power teams um, who ha just happen to turn up with the most ultimate setup they can get on their car. You know, it would take a McLaren in Australia kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, or Bottas or something on the volumes just hooking yeah, it up. William, yeah, Williams or McLaren to just go, right, slow speed corners, we fucking got this, we got the right downforce on the car, um, and we're just going to fucking do it. And that's the only way I can say, I can't see the Red Bulls doing it. I just don't, I don't think the car is going to work well enough for them here to this, to this one be the race. The only thing that they've got is is if the Merc is bad here. But mm -hmm. I don't see it. I just don't see it. So, all things being equal then, we'd assume that uh, Nico and Lewis will be one and two. Who do you think will be the best of the rest? Um, if you have to pick one name out of the hat. Do you know what? I'm going to say Felipe Massa. Felipe Massa, interesting. I was actually leaning towards Bottas. I've got a real sneaky suspicion Bottas is going to have a crack in weekend. I don't know why I think the Williams and Felipe just quite often has good little Monaco Grand Prix. Um, apart from when he fucking binned it those couple of times for Ferrari, I should ignore those ones when he <laughs> planted it into the fucking wall. Um, Alonso's never particularly been a good Monaco specialist. Neither is Kimi, I don't think. Um, Jensen's won it a couple of times, isn't he? Yeah, I just. I don't, I don't see, think the McLaren's no. going to give him what he needs. I can't. And, you know, even as a McLaren fan and a Jensen Button fan, I just know there's no point in me saying it if I don't believe it. So, um, Quite you know, they might have a better weekend. They might be able to do 6th, 7th. Get some points. Dis displace, some people and, uh, <laughs> displace the people who were rightfully in 6th and 7th, you know, or maybe yeah. nick a 4th a or a 5th if things really yeah, go their way. Yeah, that sounds about right to me. I think Jensen to sneak up from... Ninth on the grid and steals fifth. That seems like the kind of weekend he'll have. Yeah. And he'll he'll go away being, being button about it, being philosophical and saying that that was a good weekend and stuff. Yeah. Um, I just looked up the uh, the weather forecast. 
raining tomorrow, raining on Thursday, raining on Friday. It's dry Saturday, dry oh, Saturday. No, <laughs> not wet qualifying again. Fuck's sake. So, <laughs> I'd rather it just be all dry for the Monaco Grand Prix or all wet. I think that's just... I don't know. Yeah, or at least, or at least shower during the rain, the, the race enough to make it, you know. Hopefully, the um, the forecast that I'm reading gets it wrong and it does end up raining. But thus far, it doesn't look like it. So sad face. What do yes. you think of Ferraris this weekend? Then we've talked quite a lot about them being very average. You see that continuing? Uh, yes. Um. I think what they've actually, yeah, you, you, average kind of says it all. They haven't got the best aero package and they've not got the worst. They haven't got the best engine, but they don't have the worst. Um, they might have the best drivers, but it's a bit difficult to tell when everything else around them is just not going to give them the, the ability to challenge the Mercedes. So, again, if, if they finish 6th and 7th, I think that would be, you know, 5th, 6th or something that. like that. I'd be like, yeah, that's pretty much what I expected out of Ferrari and you can't be disappointed about it. Yeah. No, you can't argue with it. It's, it's, a, it's not what I want to I want to say, but unfortunately that is the way it is. They just don't have, like you say, they don't have the downforce and they don't have the engine, but they don't have the worst. So. I want to see, I want to see it pissed down with rain and then at the first corner, the Mercedes crash into one another. And then the following six or seven cars smash into each other so that the Caterhams and the Mauritius <laughs> end up driving around properly racing one another for the biggest total points that they're ever going to get. That'd be brilliant. That'd be awesome. I want one of them to do an Olivier Panis, basically. Now, I haven't had a race like that for ages where, like, a big first corner shunt takes out, like, ten people. We need one of those. I love that kind of thing. It's just it's such a nice story when you get someone like that sticking it on the podium or winning a race or something. So, yeah, one of them, please. That would be nice. So um, it's, time, it's that time of the week where we have to decide what the Monaco track layout looks like. <laughs> Aha! I had something for this one. I've been uh, looking at it for the last five minutes and I can't quite figure it out. <laughs> I, <laughs> I came up with a couple of things. Um Twisting my head left the, and right. <laughs> the first one is it's the world's first eel firing gun. Eel firing gun. Eel. Eel. You ate it, mate. As in jellied. <laughs> As in the stuff you ate in jelly, mate. Yep. The right hand bit is the eel head and the little body. And then if you look to the bit of the left, it kind of looks like the sort of butt and trigger piece of a gun. Okay. So it's firing yep. out the eel to the right. <laughs> okay, I see it. I see it. But yeah, okay. I'm trying to come up with something equally inventive, but my imagination is just not allowing it. I'm determined to get something. Or, uh, it's. Uh, why don't you just say a bottle opener? Because you fucking say about all the tracks. It, does, track it does look like a bottle opener. It's either a bottle opener or a capo. <laughs> Uh, it's either that or it's a uh, a bird flying into a straight razor. <laughs> okay, I see that, yeah. <laughs> and on that note, I think I've got to stop taking drugs. <laughs> I'm determined to get something here. I'm going to be sitting here all night. <laughs> You'll be away to bed. 
Next thing I know, it'll be 6 a.m. <laughs> Skype says it looks like it looks like a melted elephant or something. I don't know. Monica's uh, never got one because of the nature of the track. So. Oh wait a minute! It's it's an exploded bagpipe. An exploded bagpipe. So the bit on the left is the bagpipe pipe, and then on the right hand side was the big cavernous body bit that would be full of air, but it's exploded. So it's just like there. Yeah. Explo okay. <laughs> exploded bagpipe. That's what I'm going for. How did you not spot that? You're not a Scotsman. I've got it. Uh, it's a bent over man with one leg and no arms. <laughs> or, or a tiny little arm. The right hand side is the face and head. And he's, the, the left hand side is one leg, foot at the bottom, one leg. He's bent over. The back straight is his back, and then that tiny, the tiny little chicane is a wee hand. <laughs> <laughs> okay. One-legged wow. man bent over, looking for something on the floor. <laughs> it could be a very forced perspective flamingo. <laughs> like the, uh, the the left bit is the beak, you know, how it curves under, and then the sort of bit leading up to the ninety-degree corner is the head, and then it's the long neck into the stupid little body with a wing. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I see it. I see it. I still like my eel firing gun. I think that's the. I like my bent over one-legged man. I think I've nailed it personally. But... Sorry, did you just say you've nailed a bent over one-legged man? <laughs> no. You heard it here on the podcast first, everybody. Yay! Sean's fetish exposed to the world. <laughs> oh dear. So... And on that note, on that bombshell. I think we should so leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> Quick predictions: one, two, and three. Um, Nico, Lewis, Felipe. Send Nico for the win this weekend. Am, yeah. Really, he really needs one. He needs to win this weekend. I want him to actually. You know, I know I've been predicting Lewis to win the title, but it's not because I'm particularly desperate for him to win it. So I'd be quite happy for Nico to to, to nick this one and uh, for the good know. of the championship. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. To. And just for his own mental health, because he looks like he's cracking a little bit under the pressure of challenging Lewis. Yeah, so, I think that's that's probably probably true. Yeah, enough, actually, he uh, he needs this one, sort of even things up in terms of the championship. Um, I agree. What did you say for your third? Sorry, Felipe. Felipe. I'll say Nico and Lewis, and I'll go for uh, Bottas for third. So it looks like we're giving the Williams a chance. So watch them come ninth and tenth. Um, <laughs> well, or, or not finish at all. Yeah. Crash into one another in the first lap, probably. All right. Well, so that that definitely brings us nicely to the end of the uh, final lap podcast for this week. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed tuning in and listening to us as we uh, do every time we, uh, as you do every time that you listen to uh, one of our episodes. We've been going for. Um, I've lost count of the number of episodes now after I changed it to season two, episode one. Um, got to be something like nearly 25 episodes I think we're coming up on, give or take. Um, we hope that you've tuned into most of them. And if you haven't, you can go back and listen to them all on modernfanatical.co.uk uh, or subscribe to our iTunes feed. Uh, the link is, as always, uh, in the posts. Uh, you can join us on Facebook at the final lap. Sorry, not at the final lap. It's the, fi uh, the final lap. Oh, blimey. What's our Facebook page? Made a bit of, made a bit of meal of that, haven't we? Um, yeah, I did, don't we? Uh, the Facebook page, The Final Lap Podcast. 
Twitter is at Final Lap Podcast. Always get those two mixed up. Yeah, and if any of you uh, loyal listeners are Planet F1 fans, look out for uh, Facebook comments from uh, on Planet F1 from Final Lap Podcast. We've been trying to get involved in debates there. So look out for us there. Yeah, indeed. And yeah, if you if you catch us commenting on any of the articles, please, you know, feel free to reply to us or reply back onto the uh, the Facebook page. Uh, and as always, we're still looking for people to come on and give their opinions on the show. Um, you can get in contact with us through Twitter, through the Facebook page, through the website, however you want to get in contact and get uh, get in contact with us to come on the show. We'd really uh, love to have you on and, and hear what you've got to say and stop us laughing at Pastor Mario Absolutely. and Sebastian Vettel. We don't bite. <laughs> we love a good debate. Uh, and if you do enjoy our stupid ramblings, you can follow us both personally on Twitter. Um, I'm at Man Called Megs. And I'm at Fog on the Fourth. Uh, and that is the show, folks. We will see you after the Monaco Grand Prix this weekend. Thanks very much for listening. See you next time. Cheers.